Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Crossroads. We're so excited to have everybody here and everybody joining us online. Bueno, hello, nice to see ya. you. Guys, ready to have some fun in the worship? Whoop, whoop. All right, I'll go ahead and pray, and we'll get we'll get started. If you guys want to stand, if you want to sit, that's totally cool too. We're just gonna have some fun. Jesus, I just thank you for this amazing, beautiful, blessed morning, God. I pray, God, that we just enjoy your incredible presence today and you fill us anew, God. And uh, thank you, God, for everything that you do. Amen. For the sins of the world, His blood breaks. 
open the heavens, Almighty God, you are overcome, defender of my heart. By your power. talking to, to Jesus. When you speak, mountains move. And that is true. But he uses our mouths. And we need to speak the truth. And we need to speak what he tells us to speak. And it goes out. And his word through us does that work. So, Jesus, we just ask for you to pour through us to each other. To edify one another today. As you've asked us to do. And we just, I just speak right now. Breakthrough over the people that are here for the areas that they need healing. And I thank you that your word is powerful. In Jesus' name. Hey, we're going we're gonna to do something right now. I want everybody just to sit where you're at. I'm going to sit with you. And we do something once a month here at crossroads call communion and when you came in this morning you should have received a little plastic cup with a little infuriating tab thing on top of it some bread a little wafer in here but you know I when I was thinking about communion this morning I think about the, the moment that the disciples and Jesus sat around a table. And I don't think at that moment that they fully understood, I know that they didn't fully understand what they were doing or why they were doing it or the ramifications of what was happening. But then I also think about 
the stories that they would tell each other in the years following that occurrence of, hey, remember when we were sitting around the table and Jesus did that thing <laughs> with the wine and with the bread? And, and it makes me think about in our family, when we do family dinners and we come around the table and we could be going a million different directions during the day. But in that moment, and especially when one of my daughters takes my cell phone and goes and sets it on the counter. And in that moment, we're just fully present with each other. And, and we talk about our day or we talk about the things that have happened or and we just enjoy a meal together. It's in those moments that we're, we're fully present with each other. And, and I think about that in the, in the aspect of communion, that there's a moment that we can just stop, be fully present with each other, be fully present with Jesus. Because it's at this moment that we're coming to him and we're saying, thank you. Because we get the benefit that the disciples didn't get at that first moment of being able to understand the ramifications of what this is all about. To understand the power and, and the, the awesomeness of what Jesus did for us. So I want you just for a moment, we're all sitting, maybe close your eyes and just kind of envision what it would be like for us to all be sitting around just this giant table. Jesus is there and he takes the bread and he gives thanks and he hands out that bread and he says take eat this is my body and then he takes a cup and he gives thanks and he hands that around and every one of us drink from it and he says this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. And then I love in Mark 20, Mark's account, it says, then they sung a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. You see, they shared a moment together. And so Father, I thank you this morning for your bread, for your body that was broken for us. And we sit today fully present with you, remembering and thanking you for the awesomeness of what you did for us. So we take this bread and we eat it together. And then we thank you for this juice that represents your blood that's a, that's a covenant that means we're not perfect, but we are forgiven. We are cleansed because you chose to spill your blood on a cross. And so we sit today fully present with you and we just take a moment to remember as we take the juice.
to play this week, Amy and I both felt like we really want to see the joy of the Lord fill this house today. We want to know He set you free. Every chain is broken in the power of Jesus' name. Those are the promises. He has given you life and life abundantly. He's given you hope. He's given you joy. He's resurrected your soul from death. Giving you life. So when we sing, I will rest in your promises. My confidence is his faithfulness. It's so true. You can rest in the peace of Jesus and the life that he's given you and the hope and the freedom and the joy. So let's sing this one more time. And let it rise up from your gut. Let it rise up from your spirit. Come on, church, let's sing.
guys have time for one more little celebration of Jesus? This one's my son's favorite. You ready to dance, buddy? Everybody look at Barrett, because we all should be dancing like that. And now he's tired, of course. <laughs> Wandering into the night Wanting a place to hide This weary soul This bag of bones I try with all my mind I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting Let's let the joy of the Lord fill this place. Just when I ran out of the road, I met a man I didn't know. He told me that I was not alone. You turn me around, you please my 
Welcome to Crossroads. Amen. Good morning. You guys got blood pumping now? Okay, good. All right, well, you can be seated. Um, we're going to kind of transition another form of giving here in just a couple moments. Uh, and that is one of giving. And I just wanted to, to read a quick, quick scripture. Uh, cause, cause, so here's the reality. Sometimes I don't want to give. Sometimes I'm like, I, I don't know about all. I, I, just, I just don't. But I come back to Matthew 6, verse 21. He's just talking about heavenly treasures. And Jesus says, for your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. And so sometimes I give out of a place of going, I, I want to put my heart back in the place of where I know it needs to be. And so, Jesus, we thank you this morning. <laughs> we thank you for getting up out of that grave. We thank you that you have brought new life. We thank you that you have turned our life around. And so, Father, Jesus, I thank you this morning because you are incredible. You are awesome. And so in the next few moments, as, as we worship you through our giving, let us put our heart back in that place of knowing that all good things come from you. We thank you for that in your name. Amen. Well, hey, as we get ready to do that, we're going to do two other things. So this is like, you got to multitask over the next few moments, okay? So there's a few ways you can give. You can give... Uh, uh, by texting, you can give through the app. There's a black box at the very back, so you can do that. You're also going to, to get up and, and meet some people. We're going to take a few moments just to, to, hey, maybe you want to hug somebody, maybe you want to shake their hands, give them a high five, just to welcome each other here and, and spend some time together in community in that way. And also, that's two, we got one more, kids. You probably know what time it is, but you can start heading to the back Meet your teachers. You are dismissed to your classes. And now everybody go.
All right, bring it back in, bring it back in. All of the extroverts can go back to your seats now. The rest of us are already seated, so that's good. <laughs> hey, welcome to Crossroads this morning. If, you, if this is your first time with us, I just want to say a huge welcome to you. Thank you for being with us. And in the same breath, so there's something that we used to do during a time before masks and quarantining and not being able to be together sometimes was a thing. It's called newcomer's lunch. <laughs> People were like, I've heard, I've heard stories about this. So here's the thing. If you started coming to Crossroads in like the past two years, year and a half, this is for you because you've never been to one of these. So this might be the largest newcomer's lunch we've ever done at Crossroads. Um, but next Sunday after service, uh, there will be uh, what we call newcomer's lunch. And this is just a time that if you're newer to Crossroads within the past two years uh, and, and you just want to get to know more about what Crossroads is about, meet meet the pastors, and, and just kind of spend some time in community that way, and this is for you. And so it'll happen immediately after service. Lunch will be served. But we just want to ask if you can either go to this website or click on the events in our app. Uh, and if you're new, you might not have the app yet, and we can help you get that uh, after service. But just register, and that helps us know how much food to have so that nobody goes hungry. But just a, a great time just to, to spend together. And so this wasn't in my announcements, but I just got to make a quick plug, okay, because today's the last day, and I am a man, and there is man camp coming up, okay, and it's up in the mountains, and I actually went to the place where it's happening, and I promise you it's going to be an incredible weekend, August 19th through the 22nd. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be outside the, the double doors after service. If you're like, I don't even know what man camp is, that sounds crazy. Come see me. I'd love to talk to you about it, let you know what it's all about. There's cabins. You can camp. There's multiple ways to enjoy the weekend, but we'd love to, to invite you to that just to be a part of that. So come see me after service, and I'll make sure you get registered and all that good stuff. Um, but this time, I get the really cool privilege of introducing literally my favorite person in the entire world. Okay, like bar none, 100%. She's amazing. 
She is awesome. She's, I mean, in my personal opinion, pretty good looking. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, somebody that I look up to because I've seen the journey um, throughout our marriage, throughout our time together, and just what God has done in her life and the way that she passionately shares that with others um, to bring them back to finding Jesus. And so, Shannon, wifey. Thanks, babe. Hey, y'all. How are we today? I am so excited. I want to, before I start, I do want to tell you we had our baby shower yesterday, and it was amazing. We had four ladies that we blessed, and they had a mound each of gifts. So thank you for supporting them in that way. Um, I wish everyone of you could have seen their eyes light up when we unveiled their mound of gifts. Um, it was such a beautiful, just a, a beautiful expression of the church being the church. And so thank you. And the good news is we're just getting started. So this is going to be a program you're going to hear more about, Embrace Grace, and the um, journey we're going to take with women who are pregnant and in crisis. So be on the lookout. If you have a passion for that, come see me. I'll connect you with the right people to get involved. But I just wanted to start out by saying thank you for being a part of that because you literally changed some ladies' lives yesterday just by, being, just by meeting the needs that they had. So go team. Okay. So I am I'm a little excited about this series. Um, the most excited I've probably ever been about a series because this is the heartbeat of my whole life being made well and what Jesus can do. And last week, Pastor Crystal did an amazing job of opening up the series for us and telling us that if we want to be made well, there's a step one. And step one is we have to recognize that we're sick. We have to recognize and identify the wound that we're carrying. And, and we, we clarified for you last week that we are talking in this series about the condition of our heart. So we're talking about the wounds that aren't visible, right? That's what this is all about. Being made well in the place that no one but Jesus can see. And she told us that we have to recognize that we're laying on a sick mat. We have to recognize our own mat and how comfortable maybe we've gotten on that mat. That's step one. That's the first step if we want to be made well. And then we have to decide what we're going to do. Once we recognize that we're wounded, we have to decide if we're going to step into wellness. Today, I get to share with you about where do we go for healing? What do I do when I say I recognize that I have some sickness in my heart? I want to be made well, so what do I do? This is probably my favorite message I'll ever preach. (laughs) I hope I get to do it lots and lots. In fact, I would say that this is what I say every day, all the time. Everything I do, this is what it comes back to. It's the place we go for healing. That's what I am most passionate to share with others because I've experienced it for myself. And I'm excited because I get to share a lot of my own journey with you today. Now, I'm assuming if we know we're unwell, we'd probably like to know how to get well. I'm assuming that we're all here, and and if we've made the, the, the revelation has come to us that we're not well, then we 
are asking the question, so what do I do? How do I, how do I get well? None of us want to stay hurt, right? We don't want to stay in pain. If you've got a broken leg, you want it to get better. The man at the pool of Bethesda, who we are studying in this series, he was really hoping that that pool was going to fix him. He was really set on that pool bringing him healing. Fast forward, we don't really know from Scripture, but we can surmise from the conversation, he's been there a long time, laying by that pool, hoping it would be the thing that fixed him. I grew up in a trauma-filled, dysfunctional environment, and I've shared that pretty much every time I speak because I'm just, transparency is the, is the voice Jesus has asked me to have, and so I'm very open with my story. Um, I was, it was abusive, it was dark, it wasn't good, but we were at church every Sunday. We were at church every Sunday. So I was really good at showing up and hiding at the same time. I was really good at saying what needed to be said so that you wouldn't know anything was wrong with me. But I was broken and wounded and hurting inside, and no one knew. My motto was, everything's fine. Have you ever said that? It's fine. It's fine. We are all fine. Isn't that our favorite saying? And here's the thing, friends. I was living in a culture that applauded it. Yes, Shannon is fine. I knew Jesus because I'd been in church my whole life, but he was this distant character over there that, I mean, he was obligated to die for me, so that was weird, and I felt guilty because of all that, and I did not have this concept of Jesus here, in me, with me, in relationship with me, and I certainly didn't see him as the healer of my wounds. To be honest, I didn't think that God was interested in my wounds. Let me say that again. I didn't think God was interested in my wounds. I thought he wanted me to toughen up, get over it, and move on. Because that's what you're supposed to do, right? I'm a Christian. This shouldn't be happening. I just need to have faith and just push on. That's what God expects. But see, here's what happened. That led me, that thought process, living in that place, it led me to not even being able to identify the wounds that I carried. Sure, I knew I'd grown up in this trauma-filled environment. I knew I'd been abused, but I did not give myself permission to feel the pain of what I had experienced. I was not going to go there again. I wasn't going to remember so that I would have to feel what I felt growing up. Then one day, everything changed, and I do mean literally in a day. We were were youth pastors in Phoenix, and we'd only been there not even a full year, and our pastors knew enough about my story to know that there was some stuff. And one day, my pastor went the extra mile, and he looked at me, and he said, you know, no one can go through what you went through and not need some help. So if you want to get some help, some counseling, we as a church will help you find that and get that. 
I was so mad because I was fine. I'm like, I don't need no counseling. I'm fine. So it took me a minute or a few minutes, a few months. I had to let that stir. I had to let that settle inside of me, and I had to wake up to the reality that I was not fine. That, in fact, I was really tired, really afraid, really anxious, really on guard, and I was not connected to this God I said I believed in. He was a distant character in my story. The day I walked in, and I did walk in to a counseling office, the day I walked in for that first appointment was the most terrifying day of my life, but also was the day that Jesus himself looked me in the eye and asked the question that I'm asking you today. Do you want to be made well? It's optional. I realized after going into that first appointment and getting through it where I just shared my story that this stranger who became God's gift to me, but in that moment I left realizing if I'm going to do this, I have to come back. And then I have to go back, and then I have to go back, and then I have to go back, and I have to keep going back until Jesus says I'm, I'm ready to move forward from that place. So I had to choose if I was going to expose all this and let Jesus inside. We were youth pastors, so I could just go back to being in that role and saying all the right things and doing the job and knowing what to do. I could have done that. God would still love me. I'd, I'd still go to heaven. It has nothing to do with that. It was I had to choose if I wanted to be well. I had to choose. Last week, Pastor Crystal established for us that we are not going to escape pain in this life. If you would like to tell me that you have not been wounded, please come talk to me after church. I would like to hear your story. We are all going to experience wounding in this life. It's the story of a fallen, broken world, and it began in the garden on the day that Adam and Eve chose sin. Death, betrayal, rejection, abandonment, friend, it hit, comes to all of us. And here's the thing I've learned. Pain has a voice. It's a very distinct very clear and loud and overbearing voice. And it is going to tell us to run from anything that's going to cause us pain. So a simple example, what does a child who touches a hot stove do? They learn not to touch a hot stove because pain has taught them. So the next time they see that hot stove, they don't touch it. This basic instinct of survival is what we use when it comes to our heart. Uh-uh, I done had enough hurt. I'm not going there. I don't want to touch it. Leave it alone. We don't want to hurt. We just want to forget, to move on, to erase those pieces and go, never go back to them. But here's the thing. We cannot avoid pain, but we can let the wounds heal. We cannot avoid pain, but we can choose to let the wounds heal. So we're parked at the pool of Bethesda in John 5 for this whole series because we're taking a journey with this guy that's our friend now. We need to name him. I mean, 
his name is not Paralyzed Man. I don't know. Well, what should we call him? We need to come up with a name for him. Fred. We'll call him Fred. Thanks, Brooke. I don't know if that's a Jewish name. That's fine. Our friend, the paralyzed man, has been laying by this pool. And we know the story that Jesus heals him. But we really want to sit for a minute in that place before Jesus heals him. We want to be there for a moment because that's where we all will find ourselves at some point. Laying on that sick mat. And today I want us to dig a little deeper into what we can do when we realize we're on that sick mat. So we're going to go back to the story, John 5. You can follow along with me on the screen. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. That's a long time, y'all. When Jesus saw him and he knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now, I think it's safe to say that what we have here is a man who is desperate to be made well. You don't get yourself, if you're paralyzed, to this pool by yourself and lay there for so long unless you're just really desperate. And it's probably safe to assume that he's pretty confident that he's out of options, right? There's no other way to be made well. And it's been a long time. I'm going to be 38 next month. That's my entire life that this man has been paralyzed. Now, at first glance, maybe you don't see yourself in this guy's story because, I mean, none of us have pools in our backyards that magically stir. If you do, come see me. But here's the question. What if we've created our own pools? What if we've created pools and we've dragged our sick selves to those pools thinking that those pools offer us healing. Have you ever seen like stagnant water? It's nasty. It's gross. Bacteria grows. It turns green and brown. I'm from Louisiana, y'all, so I think about swamps. I'm not that kind of Louisiana girl, but I am a Louisiana girl. (laughs) The swamps are nasty, y'all. They're green. You do not want to get in there. You do not want to encounter some of the things hiding under there. But I can tell you that I can see see really clearly how I laid by some pools that I had created for myself. Stagnant water that I didn't realize was stagnant. Pools like self-sufficiency. And I was a hot mess. So all these pools, y'all, I live by all of them, just so we know this up front, okay? I knew what to do. Maybe you have also been laying by this pool. You know what? I got hurt. Everybody in the world's bad. I just got to do it myself. I am self-sufficient. Or maybe it's the stuffing 
Maybe we're stuffing it because it's just too much. It's too painful. I don't want to go there, so I just stuff it down so, so deep that no one can see it, not even me. But you know what the very nature of stuffing is? It's still there. But some of us, this is the pool we choose. We drag our sick selves to that stagnant pool, and we lay there, and we're sure, if I just stuff it, that's going to make me better. Maybe it's numbing. Maybe you've chosen the pool of numbing. Maybe you, and, and we only go to the big things, and these are valid. We go to addictions and alcohols and all those things. Those are valid. But do you know that there's plenty of small ways that we choose to numb the pain? So we're not, we're not trying to get rid of the pain. We're just trying to numb so it doesn't hurt. Pool of denial. I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. It, didn't, it wasn't even that big a deal. It's just life. Have you ever said things like that? Pool of denial. Or maybe the pool of withdrawal. I can't trust anyone, so I'm just going to isolate over here by myself. Everybody leave me alone. Some of us have gone and laid by this pool, or we are laying by this pool even now. And this was the pool of all pools for me. It's the pool of pretending. Everything's fine. I am fine. Sure, that happened, but I'm fine now. Can I tell you something really vulnerable? This is the church's favorite pool. This is our favorite place to lay because God is so good and he's so faithful and I'm fine. And so we lay here. And we don't feel it. We pretend it's not there. And religion is really clever and I was so good at it, friends. I could tell you, oh, Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the savior. Jesus will redeem you. But I didn't believe it for myself because I was pretending. All these pools are stagnant, gross water. And they cannot bring you the healing that your soul needs. But like that man laying by that one pool for so long, we are really good at convincing ourselves, no, that's a beautiful pool full of fresh water. That's going to fix it for me because we just want it to be fixed. Jesus stands before us just like he stood before the man at the pool. And he's saying to us what he said to that man in verse 8. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. Here's the thing, friends. Jesus absolutely had the power to heal this man, but the man held all the power to choose. Jesus has all the power to heal, but he will not take away our right to choose. And that man had to choose to either say, you crazy, leave me alone, or look in his face and go, all right, I'll get up. 
And we know what he did. He got up. I had to choose. When I was faced with the wounds of abuse, of trauma, of all the pain, I had to choose if I was going to just tuck it away and continue laying by my pools or let Jesus come close and make me well. Now, ironically, there's another story that revolves around water, and it's actually in John 4, which is right before this story, okay? And it's a story that a lot of us are familiar with. It's the woman at the well. Now, what's interesting is if you take a step back, you go, okay, wait. First, we have Jesus making an intentionally taking a journey to this well, which we're going to talk about. And then from this well, he travels to this man. So, like, is Jesus trying to tell us something about water? I feel like he's trying to tell us something about water here, okay? we got these two stories back-to-back that deal with water. And so we're looking at the story of the woman at the well who has probably has been one of the most famous women in the New Testament. I think we've probably heard a lot about her. She's been dissected and studied and discussed, and questions have been asked about her. Today, I, I would like us to look at her from the place of pain. I would like us to see her today from the place of deeply wounded and the conversation she has with Jesus. John 4, 7, it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus asked her for a drink. He was alone at the time as his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now the woman was surprised that a Jew would ask a despised Samaritan for anything. Usually they wouldn't even speak to them. And she remarked about this to Jesus. Now let's stop there for a second and and let's consider what is happening in this woman's life. She is a, not only is she a Samaritan, which would make her despised by Jews already, she's a despised Samaritan. So we've got a woman here who is just completely rejected by society. She comes in the heat of the day to draw water, which is way out of the ordinary. Women would go early in the morning when it was cooler together to get water. And we're not talking like a Walmart jug, y'all. We're talking like on their backs carrying this thing with these two big, I mean, it was a hard thing to do. So they didn't do it in the heat of the day. This woman is coming in the heat of the day. Why? Because she'll be alone. Rejection is so ingrained in this woman that it even impacts the day-to-day routine of her life. Did you hear that? Rejection is so ingrained in this woman's being that it even means she has to suffer through the heat of the day just to get water. And then Jesus shows up. In verse 10, he says, If you only knew what a wonderful gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me for some living water. But you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. I am inserting some sarcasm, just so y'all know. And this is a very deep well. Where would you get this living water? And besides, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob? How can you offer better water than this, which he and his sons and his cattle enjoyed? Listen, y'all, she's a little miffed because she is had lots and lots of empty promises. 
And I'm going to go far enough because we know from the story that she was married so many times. I think she's had a lot of empty promises from the men in her life. And so when Jesus says, I'm here to give you a drink, she probably rolls her eyes. Here we go. Another guy with empty promises. This wounded woman is lashing out in pain. Jesus is getting close to her pool of self-sufficiency and withdrawal, and she's pushing, get away from me. I don't need anything that you have to offer. But then Jesus says something else. Jesus replied that people soon become thirsty again after drinking this water. But the water I give them, it becomes a perpetual spring within them watering them forever with eternal life. Y'all, Jesus is not at this well by accident. He did not trek in the heat of the day to this well on accident. He went for this woman. He went to meet her on purpose, just like he went to the pool of Bethesda on purpose. This well represents this woman's attempt to fix herself, going alone, doing it by herself. You see all the pools represented in this one moment? She's avoiding everything and everyone. But Jesus shows up and offers water that will satisfy. Now, if you don't know the rest of the story, he he says, go get your husband and come back. And she says, I don't have a husband. He's like, I know you've had five husbands. And the man you live with right now is not your husband. And that's all it took. The veil was ripped and she's like, you are him. And the great thing about this is that she, um, really, she's the first evangelist, I think we can say, in scripture. And I love that it's a woman. Okay. (laughs) Just had to throw that in there. She runs back to her village and says to everyone, come and see a man that told me everything I ever did. Come and see a man, if I could say it this way, who knows everything about me and offers me living water. Come and see. And like the whole village comes and sees. Because this woman had an encounter with Jesus. Here's what we know from these two stories. It's very evident that Jesus will purposely seek us out in our pain. And offer what he has to offer. A drink from his well. He found me. I wasn't asking anyone if I could get some counseling. I wasn't looking for help. He sent someone in front of me to say, you need some help. And we can help you. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. He's not looking for you to figure it out. He's looking for you to drink from his well. Wellness comes from his well. Wellness only comes from his well. You can lay by all these pools, friend. You can drink from the wells that don't satisfy. You can. And they will seem right in your own eyes, and the world will cheer you on for being so self-sufficient and so good at taking care of yourself. But all of these pools, they offer temporary relief. 
You will feel relief momentarily, but it's not lasting. Jesus says, when you drink from my well, it's forever. It satisfies. Have you ever been thirsty? I mean, obviously, you've been thirsty before. Do you know what that feels like to get that drink of water? That's what your heart is longing for. Your heart is thirsty. And if you're wearing the wounds of pain that you've not chosen to deal with, you're thirsty and your heart is swollen and there is infection. There is so much in there and Jesus is intersecting you today. This is that moment. And he's saying, do you want to be made well? So we do have a lot in common with this guy, actually. We actually have quite a bit in common with Fred. We've all been laying by pools at some point in our life. I'm so, so beyond grateful to Jesus that he has shown me that and that I no longer lay by pools. But do I have shadows? Absolutely. When something hurts, am I tempted to go, I got it. I am. But because I now have Jesus here and I hear his voice, he goes, oh, we don't, we don't need that pool. Come back. Come back. And so I recognize it now and I go, oh, yeah, no, I don't want that. And if I happen to find myself accidentally laying by that pool, I just turn back to Jesus because he set me free. He set me free and it's pain that no one and nothing else could have set me free from. Everything outside of Jesus is a Band-Aid, friends. And the world has lots of Band-Aids that they can give us. And these pools are Band-Aids, but they do not heal what is wounded. Please tell me you've seen The Chosen. If you haven't, I don't even know what you're doing with your life. <laughs> Just being honest. Go home today and binge. But... I am going to, so there's an entire episode in season two about this man, and I just about couldn't handle myself. It's so good. So I'm just going to plug it. You need to go to thechosentv.com to watch all of it. But the, the, what I, one of the things I love that's beautiful about the show is that they, they obviously pull from Scripture, but they, they, what they add isn't adding to Scripture. They add plausible conversations. They look at the stories and they go, well, what's something that could have been said? Or how could this have gone? And when we read the story of the man, we don't have, we, you feel like you can sense that there's some exchange that we don't see in Scripture. He asks, do you want to be made well? And then the next thing is the guy says, I can't, sir. And then we see him being healed. So we get the feel that maybe there was a more to the conversation there. And so I love this scene when I, every time I see it, I, I don't know, I can't even, it's so good. But it's a scene that they created that I want to show you that it just gives us an idea of maybe what that conversation could have been like. So you guys take a look. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have 
Many answers. But I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? Look, I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so... Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I know you've been promised a lot of things in your wounding, and a lot of things have seemed right. But those pools have nothing for you. 
you want to be made well, you've got to get your eyes off those bulls and exactly what Jesus said. Look at me. Look at me. Friends, I'm not going to pretend with you that if you do this, it will be easy. I am on year 12. I'm on year 12, but here's what I do know. It is worth it. It is worth it. Jason, if you want to come on up, that would be awesome. I have gone on the journey, and I have allowed the pain to come forward. I've allowed the pain to be felt. I've gone into the dark places, and I can tell you that Jesus met me there, and he healed what is broken. And so here's what we're going to do today. Y'all know me well enough now to know we're going to pray. I've got a few things I want to offer to you. First of all, it's time for you to recognize the pools that you've laid beside and to repent. I had to do that. I'm not responsible for what was done to me. The wounding that had come my way, I had no control over, but I in that wounding made choices that were not right. And so I had to say, God, I'm sorry. You are the only well. And I was looking for you in, up in the wrong places. That is step one. And then you can't do it alone. I'm on year 12, but I have a community around me. I have people in my life who can speak to me truth, who walk with me, who let me bleed and vomit all over them. That is how God designed you. If you think that you can leave through here today and keep doing it by yourself, let me find that pool for you and hold it up because that's the pool you're choosing. Withdrawal, and that's not God's heart for you. He wants you to surround yourself with community. And then the last thing I want to offer before we go into prayer is we are, we are serious about this at Crossroads. We're not just quote, preaching sermons, we're serious. And so we have classes that we're offering that you can come and be a part of if you're saying, I want to take the next step and the next step. We had one Thursday night about recognizing the wounds. If you missed it, you can go tomorrow night to Ogden for that class. And then this Thursday, I'm teaching the class on how do we heal the wounds. And I want to challenge you that if you know today that it's time to be made well and you want to know how, then you can come and you can sit with me and whoever else comes. And we're going to have a gentle conversation about how Jesus heals. Because, y'all, he does. And he's the only one that does. I'm going to ask the people who have uh, committed to prayer to be on the prayer team to please come up. Just find a couple places. And here's how we're going to close. I grew up going to altars. There was always an altar call. And I know that altar calls don't mean that something has happened. The, the, the altar itself, this space up here is no different than where you're sitting back there. But sometimes we need to take a step. 
And that's what this is for. We don't offer prayer. We don't invite you to come to the altar because we think you need some ritual in your life. We invite you because that is sometimes the immediate step that you need to take is get yourself to the front where someone can pray with you. Someone can meet you right where you're at and show you and you can hear from their mouth, Jesus is gonna make you well. So we're going to have this open. If you would like to come and have someone specifically pray with you, that's totally great. If you just want to come and put yourself at this altar here and pray, that's fine too. There's no rules. But I want to encourage you that if you have been sitting here and you are stirred up, Jesus does like to stir the waters. So come, sit with him. Jason's going to lead us in just some simple worship right now, and I just want to invite you. And I'm going to pose this question. Do you want to be made well?
hang up here. This isn't over. So if you're up here, just keep going. I do feel like the Lord would have me say something. And I know that Pastor Rob, if he were standing here, he would say this. Get used to this. If this makes you uncomfortable, people pouring their heart out, crying, weeping, letting Jesus get you, because this is who Crossroads is. This is who we are. And as a team, we've been seeking the Holy Spirit and saying, come and do what you want. We'll get out of your way. And friends, this is what he wants to do. So I'm gonna just quietly ask you to, dis to if you are, don't need to come down, you're free to go. If you still wanna come down, we will stay as long as we need to. But other than that, you're dismissed. And I wanna say thank you if you're here online for joining us as well.